And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello, welcome to Full Time with Meg Linehan. You are listening to a podcast all about women's soccer on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Meg, your host as always, and I am a staff writer at The Athletic covering the NWSL and the U.S. Women's National Team. We've got a very fun episode in store for you today as Andre Carlisle and Courtney Sith of Diaspora United are here for a giant crossover episode and we cover a lot of ground. So my vote is that it is definitely worth your extra time today full-time plus some bonus, right? So, and speaking of bonus, if you missed yesterday's bonus episode of full-time, Fox Sports analyst Allie Wagner joined the show for a special episode to preview She Believes Cup, which kicks off on Thursday, February 18th and runs through Wednesday, February 24th. So hopefully I have done my part to give you plenty of women's soccer stuff to listen to and to read before you actually turn on the games. But before we get to the general news recap, a, a quick reminder, you can always subscribe to The Athletic, Right now, it is just $3.99 a month, and you will also show your support for the coverage of women's soccer and women's sports by visiting theathletic.com slash full-time. Okay, so not a complete rundown of everything that happened over the last week, though, of course, I never honestly really attempt to be that comprehensive, but here are three of the biggest stories since the last full episode last Thursday. So let's start with the spirit who added a bunch of names as investors into the club, including Chelsea Clinton, Jenna Bush-Hagar, Dominique Dawes, and Brianna Scurry, though the full list of the new group is considerably longer than just those four names. So here's where it gets interesting. Um, Yes, they're investing in the team, but no, they're not exactly owners. This is kind of a language thing. There are some implications from the actual investment side, but It's not to say that they won't have some level of say in the club, and as the Spirit release reads, this new investor group brings to the club a remarkable range of resources, networks, and skill sets to help drive the club's growth. So still sort of some of this give and take, right, that we have seen from other minority owners coming into the league, such as Naomi Osaka with the courage, but not the same language that we should be using here, investors and not owners. But still, there is money involved, there are big names involved, and the addition of Dominique Dawes and another former U.S. national team player in Brianna Scurry are both particularly exciting for the NWSL. All right, here on Tuesday morning, at least in the U.S., we got the results of the Champions League draw for the round of 16, while this stage still honestly promises to be pretty straightforward until we get to the final eight The two teams from England, Man City and Chelsea, ended up with two actually pretty interesting opponents. For City, it's ACF, Fiorentina from Italy, and Chelsea arguably ended up with the toughest draw of the round thanks to matching up against Atletico Madrid. The round of 16 is set for two legs on March 3rd and 4th, then March 10th and 11th. I honestly cannot tell you how we will be watching those games and if we will be watching those games in the United States, so stay tuned, I guess. All right. If you're listening to this podcast, I 100% assume that you have heard about Allie Krieger and Ashlyn Harris growing their family and adopting a baby, but congrats to the two of them 
and welcome to Sloan Phillips. And though this was covered on the bonus pod with Allie Wagner, hopefully pretty comprehensively, we've got a complete guide to Shibley's Cup up on The Athletic with how to watch in the U.S. and Canada and hopefully everything else you could possibly need before you actually watch these games. So that link will be in the show notes for you. The best news of all is that guide is unlocked and free for all to read whether or not you subscribe. All right, so here are Andre and Courtney of Diaspora United. We get pretty heavily into what their podcast is about, so I'm just going to launch us right into this interview. Okay, so today I just, first of all, for, for people who might not have actually checked out your podcast yet, I was hoping that we could do a little origin story of your podcast and how the conversations came to be. I mean, Andre, like you have other podcasts. I feel like you might actually be just like three podcasts in a trench coat disguised <laughs> as a human. <laughs> Don't tell everybody. <laughs> so when, and, and this was a, a it felt like a very quick launch. Like there was a trailer and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, we have an interview. Okay, we're going to go. So <laughs> let's let's actually hear the story of the launch of your podcast. Yeah, the, the story of the launch of the podcast from my perspective is this has been an idea that I've kind of had in my head for a, a, a little bit. Um, you know, maybe maybe probably started in in kind of the middle of the year, uh, 2020, when everything was, was kind of going on with the protests and everything. And you know, everyone at the Challenge Cup was having to figure out how to handle all of that. And some handled it well, some did not. And I just kind of was like, there needs, <clears throat> there needs to be a space here. And it seems like there's a hole. And so I, I wasn't sure if I, I needed to be the one to fill it. <laughs> so I was just kind of like, I don't really know what to do with this thought, but the thought never really went away. And so I kind of was like poking around a little bit, asking some people like, hey, I've got this idea. What do you think about it? And they're like, oh my God, this is awesome. Yes, absolutely. Let me get you in touch with this person, this person. I was like, okay, cool. And um, and then I reached out to Courtney and I was like, hey, uh, so here's my idea. What do you think? And she's like, I'm in. <laughs> and once she was in, I was like, oh, okay, I guess I gotta, I got I guess I gotta do this thing now. <laughs> Courtney, how does that <laughs> match your version? Um, well, the interesting thing was, so I've been following Andre on Twitter for a long time. And I remember like months ago, he was like, I want to start a podcast about black women's soccer. And I just like favorited it. And I was like, okay, kept living my life, kept <laughs> spending too much time watching soccer. And then I feel like all of a sudden one day I just got, all of a sudden I like got a notification, he followed me and I was like, whoa, this is big. Like this is a big deal. I'm just a regular internet person. <laughs> uh, and then messaged me about the podcast and I was like, yeah, I'm totally in. Yeah. What what were those first conversations like? So just from my own point of view of launching a podcast without necessarily, you know, like I had had conversations with folks around the company, like, okay, this is kind of what I want it to be. I am not the best podcast listener, I will admit. Like I listen to Serial like every other like white person in existence, right? And I, I, <laughs> I um, listen to the Dolly Parton one, right on WNYC again like every other white person in existence like those were really my two frames of reference and I was like that is also not at all what mine is going to be like so it's not helpful at all but what when when I feel like people don't also necessarily always understand the amount of work that has to go into prep but also the weekly or you know whatever process of actually making episodes is and so what were those what were those first conversations like of this is what we want it 
to B, this is, you know, Andre, you were talking about, like, we saw a gap, right? Yeah. So what what were those first conversations like? You know, it was really interesting. We just kind of were like, all right, we want to do this. How do we want to do it? And then it was Courtney who, while we were setting up all the social media accounts and, you know, trying to set up, <laughs> get the podcast on all the other platforms, which is a, a giant pain if anybody started a podcast. That's the most fun part. Enjoy that if you're getting into this game. <laughs> um, but we were looking for a description and... Courtney kind of came up with the perfect one sentence description that encapsulated everything. And it's really just the, the bio on our, um, on the Twitter account, which is a soccer podcast that centers black women in the global game. When she said that, I was like, that is it. That right there is it. We want to center them. And more importantly, we want to celebrate them. You know, it's not all about, you know, going go, and talking about trauma. Like we're not always going to, going to, you know, try and talk to players or talk about, you know, racial issues. Obviously that's a big part of it. So we're not going to ignore it clearly. But we want to celebrate the players. You know, there are so many that have been undervalued, um, that have been just kind of, I won't even say flown under the radar because people know how good they are. They just don't, they just choose to elevate other players. And that's something that we wanted to counter. And so when she said that, I was like, that is it. Thank you for <laughs> Crystal giving me the thesis because of my head, the way my brain works is not well in, in short. And, <laughs> and basically there's a lot of thoughts that fly around in there and I have to kind of try and pick and choose and be like, okay, there, this, no, this, and this is the piece of this one that I want. And Cordy just summed it up. And I was like, thank you for helping my brain get organized. I know I chose the right person when she did that. <laughs> <laughs> Courtney, uh, this is so good. Courtney, I wanted to ask what, what has the reaction been like so far? I mean, I feel like, you know, I follow you, you both on Twitter and, you know, I'd see some of the conversation to follow the account for the podcast. But what what is the reaction to the first couple of episodes been like so far? Um, I think the reaction has honestly been really, really positive. Something that I was not expecting at all. I think when I first tweeted out when we were trying to think of a name and tweeted out that Twitter poll and all of a sudden, like my Twitter just started blowing up. And I mean, before this, like I would probably get one favorite every three days for my one friend named Jacob on Twitter. <laughs> so it to went from like <laughs> it was also anytime I would tweet about soccer and it was like the only person. Um, and it went from like being basically my social media being silent to all of a sudden having this huge reaction and people being like, we really, really like this idea, like sending us different names that weren't included. Um, and then after we dropped the first episode, which is my personal favorite, because I think we just had a really incredible conversation with Taya. It went it honestly kind of felt like zero to 100. Um, I was looking at like podcast stats and I was really, really surprised to be like, oh, wow. Like there are a significant amount of people not only here, but also people that are listening from around the world. Like I was not expecting to have listeners in Germany. Yeah. Like, and I was like, excuse me, huh? Like, there are, <laughs> I mean, I've been doing research about like how many black players are in uh, European leagues right now. And there are only like 14 or 15 black players in the Frauen Bundesliga. So to have like a really wide net of people listening is really really exciting and then obviously having other you know sports journalists tweet at us being like you guys should listen to this podcast are doing really important work um has been nice too yeah all right so i want to talk about what comes next for the podcast i know andre loves um attention on him oh, he he <laughs> truly enjoys it uh <sighs> my favorite was just flagging the fact that i had retweeted your story and then Megan Rapino had liked that retweet. Oh, and I was just geez. like, just FYI, just want to let you know. <laughs> that was terrifying. <laughs> that happened. <laughs> so I, I want to know, I mean, obviously it, it feels like a really good 
and productive start and and people are listening, right? Which is great. But then what comes next, right? Like where where do you see this in a couple of, obviously, you know, like we have She Believes Cup uh, this week starting, we have Challenge Cup, we have NWSL, you know, there's also, I feel like we really are starting to focus a lot more on the global game here in America compared to even like when I first really got into women's soccer, right? Like Katarina Macario going to Lyon, all this kind of stuff. So where are you, where are you dreaming of in over the next few months, over the next year? Or do you want to go ahead? Um, honestly, right now, I feel like the sky's the limit. Like I know that's like not, maybe not the best <laughs> answer, but I mean, for me, this is my first podcast. I actually listened to a ridiculous amount of podcasts. Um, but yeah, I really think we just want to, you know, continue talking about black women in the game and hopefully getting to that point where we're not only, cause I think right now we do have a, we do talk a lot about the NWSL, but also just including more stuff from the WSL, from the Frown Bundesliga, um, from the Iberdola, the, like, um, the premier vision for women in Spain yeah, and also I struggle Italy. with it too. So I get it. <laughs> it's, it's so I like, I was trying to figure out the name. I don't know. That's the time, but yeah. um, really including that. And then, I mean, I'm personally excited for she believes cup. And then hopefully if the Olympics happen, um, like talking about players and how um, one thing I do want to talk about is also media coverage and not just having it being like, Oh, look, they're pacey. They're powerful. Like I really hope that we can eventually get away from that narrative about black players. Cause it's not just that they're pacey and powerful. They're also incredibly skillful and great thinkers, like all of these things that aren't just purely athletic. Right. Um, right. So for me, I wanted the podcast to continue growing and for us to, you know, keep going in the way we are and also having great interviews with hopefully a few players and some veterans too. Crystal Dunn, question mark. I mean, Always. please, oh if you're listening, Crystal. <laughs> no, I was going to say that's, that's basically my, my big goal. Like my big dream for this is to just basically make it a really cool hangout place for black women in soccer. Come in and, 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 and whether they're in a coaching capacity, whether they're in, you know, playing, obviously I want to talk to a lot of players. I have so many questions. I want to talk to Crystal about our chickens. Like I, there are so many players that are dope and awesome. And I just really want this to be like a cool hangout space. Like come on the pod, kick it with us for a little bit. You know, we're going to have fun. You know, Courtney and I will talk about, you know, the other, the other stuff, you know, we can handle some of those conversations. If they want to talk about it, cool. We're there. We can absolutely talk about it, but you know, come hang out with us, kick it, uh, talk about your game, talk about anything else you want to talk about uh, and, and have a good time. So that's kind of my big goal, which is, you know, nebulous as I do, but <laughs> I think, uh, I think if, if it became that in the 30,000 foot view, I would be extremely happy. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, according one of the things that you brought up, the, the media coverage thing, I mean, I think about what was happening in the 2019 World Cup, just in terms of, 
some of the coverage of the African teams, but also, I mean, I just, I constantly think about that England Cameroon game and how that was talked about after. Right. And I, I think the Olympics are always kind of that same test to see how folks are doing. And also just because usually the Olympics are on a different broadcaster. So it's not kind of the same people that we're used to over and over because at least for us here in the, in the U S right. Like it's Fox and ESPN that have pretty much every single U S women's national team game. So then to go back to NBC for a little bit, you're always kind of like, I know what to expect from the other two. It might not always be perfect, but I at least know what to look for. And then to have that kind of Olympic cycle come around and be like, Oh, right. We're going to go through this probably all over again. So I will, I will personally be looking forward to that. Yeah. And I think, and also in terms of media coverage, like, I always want to include like context. Like I'm, I think we might have. I mentioned this um, when Andre and I were talking about the Columbia game. And like to be fair, you know, we're balling out all that stuff. But it's also like important to talk about how, for example, Columbia. I think I was reading they hadn't had like a game since 2019. Right. Right. Like all of these things, all the context surrounding it isn't like shouldn't be ignored when you're talking about these players. And I think also with like Cameroon versus England, like the context there was really, really important of like not necessarily infantilizing these white players and being like, think about the children when it's like in the men's game, like uh, Suarez biting someone, like having players karate kick fans, like that has been happening forever. And it's never like, think about the children. But when it comes to the women's side of the game, it's all of a sudden like, oh, the children, what will they do? And they'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'd, First and foremost, women athletes are only role models. They don't actually play oh, the soccer. Right. It's just, right. but we, we, if we go down that path, we're going to be gone for the entire episode. So yeah, yeah, I want to, yeah. I want to circle us back around because I think one of the big things that I had brought up to, to both of you before we recorded this was something that I've been thinking about. So I'm actually on one of the, well, I'm on two of the panels for the National Soccer Hall of Fame for voting. So I was on the screening committee and then the voting committee for the Soccer Hall of Fame. And obviously last year did not necessarily go so well with only one person getting in and Hope Solo being left off, right? Beyond that, I mean, there's there's bigger structural things. But one of the things that I keep thinking about is, first of all, there's such a backlog of U.S. Women's National Team players, NWSL players that need to get into this Hall of Fame, right? Brianna Scurry is in there. And... That's really it for, for black one. Like, I mean, the men have kind of had this long path into the Hall of Fame over and over again. And then, uh, first of all, we're dealing with a very strange history of women's soccer in this country, where it's basically just this giant gap. Like, you have the Dick Kerr ladies from England coming over in the 20s. Nothing. Title nine. Okay, so like that's struggle number one. And then struggle number two is that, you know, as we're having these conversations on on some of these panels, too, is we're talking about MLS and this nice unbroken history of MLS. But then on the women's side of the game, we have stop and start leagues. So we've got WSA break, WPS break, NWSL break. And part of the qualification system is that you have to be you know, at least a certain number of years as a professional, you've got to be on a a best 11 of a league. And sometimes it's just not possible for a woman to qualify from a professional standpoint rather than just an international standpoint. I then want to layer on for the final, for the final chunk of this is how do we then 
if we're if we've already got this such a strange approach to history of women's soccer in this country, how do we then actually like properly put players in the context of Black History Month in addition to the context of women's soccer history? This is the longest question I probably ever asked on this podcast. So thank you for for being patient, Courtney. I will start with you, um, but just. I feel like this is probably something that a lot of us are trying to think about just as, you know, we are starting to see coverage of Brianna Scurry and then Kim Crabb is like the only other real name that's popping up in a lot of these historical retrospectives of women's soccer. It's just, it's such a fascinating concept to me. Yeah. And I will say, and this is something I've been thinking about in particular with black history month um, because it's like, and I mean, to be fair, I do work at a media company, but it's like Black History Month, let's show every Black person we've ever talked to. And it's like, okay, well, let's uh, let's not only like talk about Black people in the context of Black History Month, like let's include this in our coverage like all around the year. Like I was um, reading the Crystal Dunn piece from Forbes and talking about, and this is one thing that I always think about sometimes just late at night when I'm with my thoughts of uh, with that France game. And basically in France, and I will say with the England game too, of like their game plans were like, just attack Crystal Dunn and we'll win. And the fact that she had two incredible performances and you would think, you know, a player having this big, incredible performance, it's going to lead to media coverage, sponsorship deals, all this stuff. And none of that came from it. And I feel like we need to talk about with black women in soccer, continue that conversation outside, not only outside of those really incredible moments, but making sure that they're not just blips. So it's not, just Crystal Dunn or beautiful for the next generation, not just Midge Purse or Katarina. Like there needs to be a, I think there really needs to be a through line drawn from Kim Crab um, all the way through Brianna Scurry and also all the way through where we are now. Cause there definitely have been a lot of players. Like, I mean, I played soccer growing up. My older sister played soccer growing up and not had like basically having your main role model. If you're an outfield player, like making your main role model, Brianna Scurry, like mm-hmm. you, She's an incredible player, but I mean, I was yeah. playing forward. Like, who am I going to look to? Um, <laughs> can't yeah. really model my game off of a goalie, but yeah. don't, that don't you know game. you should have been playing left back? Come on, come on, Courtney. <laughs> I mean, I went from, oh, this is a fun thing. I went from uh, a wide forward, which I feel like a lot of black players are, to a center back. <laughs> so uh, that was really. That is not your best. standard conversion. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. But, like, she's tall. She's our, I was actually back in the day, I played. People used to play sweeper stopper. I was a large oh, yeah. person on the team. Stopper. Uh, and I was like, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think having that, like having that through line. So you're not just secluding black players to black history month, but also making sure like media coverage wise that you are including black players in your coverage and not just like for their, like the people you're covering aren't just the creme de la creme, like making sure that those players who are in there day in and day out, who are still having good performances, but are under the radar, get that coverage they need. Right. I mean, I think one of the interesting things, especially about this class of folks who are up for election within Hall of Fame, Shannon Box is in there. And I, I think we actually did have a pretty good discussion about Shannon Box. But I mean, I think the thing about her, too, is that she, we get so distracted by folks who score a lot of goals, right? Or goalkeeper, like they're the players like a Shannon Box defensive midfielders, right? Like the players that get put in those roles that don't necessarily get a lot of glory, but they are 
truly really great at playing those positions. Like that's another part of this conversation too of did we properly appreciate Shannon Box in her time and also Shannon Box's story where she really came from the pro leagues. Like Shannon Box was really the first test case of how a pro league could launch your career onto the national team. And I think even that is relevant to the conversation of is she worthy of Hall of Fame consideration because she is really one of the prototypes of why we need a professional league in the United States for a strong national team. But then also when you are, it's also, (laughs) Hall of Fames are strange things because when you're thinking about like, okay, only maybe two or three people are going to get in from an athlete point of view at, at a time. Like if you've got players like Hope Solo and Christy Pierce in that same potential voting class, and then you're trying to weigh that against Shannon Box, like that's where you start to get into these problems. But are we actually considering the full weight of these players' accomplishments? And especially, I think, to your point, as they are happening. And that's where I think the struggle has been historically. So, Andre, I want to I wanna ask you about something off of this is just maybe how we think about how we talk about players now, how that might shift the narrative in the, you know, like if we're talking about Crystal Dunn right now and we change the way that we talk, and I'm using a very large royal we here, not necessarily the three people on this podcast who are all, I think, going to like lay their lives down on the line for Crystal Dunn. But like when we're talking about (laughs) Crystal Dunn as a player, if we change the way that we frame Crystal Dunn as a player, and also potentially she starts winning awards in a way that she hasn't necessarily outside of the NWSL. Do you think that then changes when we start to look at Crystal Dunn, you know, potentially 10, 15 years down the line when there's a Hall of Fame vote on the line? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, and, I, and I think this is this is part of the, you know, another part of the reason for the existence of the podcast and for a lot of my work in women's soccer as well is I just really think that talking about these players as they exist right now is a way to make sure that we don't have to have that conversation where we look back and like, like you just mentioned with Shannon Box, you know, you know, you have to look back and pull all those things because there's really no mechanism to give her the recognition at the time. And we can try to fix that now. And Crystal Dunn is a great place to start. (laughs) Uh, I mean, just, just looking at the context of her career, what she's done, what she's gone through and, I mean, and I also love that she herself has been a lot more outspoken recently saying basically like, I didn't really want to play left back. Like, I don't, I don't really like it. It's a hard challenge. It's something that nobody else is asked to do, but I do it because that's how I get on the team. Uh, It's what I want to do. It's how I I want to play for this team. But if she had her desire, she would be playing. It's the number 10 that she wants to play. And I think listening to her and talking about those things and really never stopping talking about those things, like it's always going to be a conversation for the remainder of her career. And I think that, you know, if we continue in the present to give her that notoriety, give her that respect, elevator game, because I mean, <laughs> but she, she won the NWSL championship playing as a 10 and then she won the world cup playing as a left back. That's absurd. It's absurd yeah. that, that like, that is not like the pinnacle of women's soccer in America. Like that should be, we have a player who is capable of doing these two things. Nobody else in the world is capable of doing that. And that's the starting point on Crystal Dunn. And it's not quite there yet. Like you said, it's there for us, 
but it's not there for everybody. And it needs to be there for everybody because she literally just did that. Yeah, I mean, I think about 2015, right? And I, I wrote a big story on Crystal Dunn. I also remember pitching that story and having to fight to get it approved of, you know, and, and this was kind of, everyone is doing the pieces of Crystal Dunn as the last player left off the World Cup roster in 2015, and here she is doing great things in the NWSL. And I was like, I don't really, if she doesn't make the roster, then that's a Jill Ellis problem and not a Crystal Dunn problem. Like, what is Crystal Dunn doing right. to distinguish herself in the NWSL? And I, she came with Washington Spirit, the team that she was currently with, to Boston for a game against the Boston Breakers in a game I'm almost positive they actually ended up losing, which was not a standard thing that happened in Boston. Um, but, you know, I spoke to her after, and I just also remember, like, waiting for her to come off the field and seeing the disappointment of, I mean, this is just, like, it's a professional game. Every single result means something, right? But then watching her shake it off and then immediately comment and have, like, a very in-depth conversation about her career, which is not necessarily, and especially now, right, we know it was not exactly a fun time for her, right? But also at the same time, in 2015, yeah. she's NWSL Player of the Year, you know, like, just the highlights from that season are absurd. But the only reason we got them is because she got left off the national team at that time. And again, like, I just think it boils down to this fundamental, like, are we appreciating Crystal Dunn at her full powers all the time? That's not really a question. It's just more... <laughs> <laughs> We're going to go into our Crystal Dunn appreciation mode, I guess. <laughs> yes. One thing I also and we, and we will never leave that mode. <laughs> never. But also one thing that, and I mean, I've, I was reading her interview and getting left off and just saying like, you know what, I'm just going to grind it out and make sure I get on that team any way possible. And, you know, it is like, it is an absolute insane thing. What she was saying of like, she won national, like player of the year playing as a 10 and then is put in a left back role and basically it has like every, I mean, at least for this last world cup cycle, like basically every team was like, yeah, we're just going to go, you know, attack Crystal Dunn. And we're just like, obviously she doesn't play as a left back normally. Like she's not going to do spectacularly. Um, but I also think about just also um, Andre and I were talking about like, for example, what's happening with Mitch purse and like, she is a great forward. She is like, mm -hmm. she also has some like, absolutely like looking back at her footage like she does some crazy things as a forward and it's like but she's put as a left back or a right back and it's like have I think there's also a burden sometimes on black players of when you want to really elevate yourself to the next level and having to be versatile and having to fit into like not only get like game day systems but being like putting yourself in these other positions so you can get your best shot of making the team instead of for example, like Jill Ellis building a team around Crystal Dunn. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's interesting because there has been a real history of players. Get, I mean, you know, Kelly O'Hara was converted to an outside back, especially for the national team, and then also was kind of essentially positionless for a while and then got settled back into an outside back role. Lauren Holiday is kind of the one that also will forever just sit wrong with me in terms yeah. of what they did to Lauren Holiday. But I do think that there's something really interesting, particularly with Crystal Dunn and Midge Purse and how those conversions do feel just because I don't like, I can't super explain it. And also, you know, I think that versatility has become even more important to this national team of 
outside backs being able to play as center backs or outside backs being able to play basically anywhere on the wing, right? Like every single player now, minus like the goalkeepers and probably Becky Sauerbrunn <laughs> is expected <laughs> to be able to like slot into basically whatever position, like a strange, strange game of musical chairs. But there is something in particular about also just, and it's not against Flacco because I think Flacco also has been very consistent in saying, we know what Mitch Purse is capable of as a forward, but also there are intriguing questions about slotting her back into an outside back and what it does for this national team system. But yeah, I'm just also mostly very happy Crystal Dunn has, because she was always extremely diplomatic in being like, (laughs) I'm going to talk about the left back position in a very diplomatic fashion. And now she's a little, a little more real about where she would prefer to play, which I think is also just a good thing for people to keep in mind as they are evaluating her. And that's the biggest part. Yeah, Sorry, absolutely. I, I mean, oh, go ahead, Courtney. Oh, no, and I was, I was thinking, like, you know, part of that also comes from the fact that, like, she now is probably one of the first people on the team sheet. Like, if she was just, you know, around the periphery or on the bubble, like, she can't be like, yeah, I don't like doing this because it's like, <laughs> fine, then we're just not going to include <laughs> you. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about locks for the national team, now, like, Crystal Dunn is in that kind of, you know, Julia Ertz territory of, like, they're not going to build a team without Crystal Dunn being a huge part of it. And the fact that now we're also starting to get a look at Crystal Dunn. I mean, the fact that she got tossed up into the attack for a match against Colombia. Incredible. Brilliant. (laughs) I mean, honestly, it was just like Vlaco was like, I'm going to give them everything they want. <laughs> so that 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 match was so fun. And what happened with Courtney and I both went crazy because I think we even said this on the pod, like we're trying to figure out what our second episode was going to be, you know, trying to get the topics together and schedule it like, all right, when are we going to record and all that stuff? So like we're we're moving along with the second episode. We're not really expecting to have to record anything. You know, we'll talk about the game once we talk about the game, you know, um, it would be fine. And then all of a sudden, Crystal Dunn is playing forward and Mitch Purse is playing forward. And we're like freaking out on the timeline. Yeah, we're like (laughs) losing our minds. And then all of a sudden. Mitch Purse is doing filthy things as a wide forward to get by people. And she's scoring a goal and Crystal Dunn is turning people with like, just the way she does, you know, with mm-hmm. the, with the courage or used to do with the courage now with the thorn, she'll be doing that. But it's just like, we, we were like, we have to record an emergency pod and talk <laughs> about this because our minds are blown. And, and, and people were like, I can't wait to listen to the next episode. <laughs> no. And we're like, all right, it was I, like, Vlaco <laughs> did it for your podcast. Actually. And I, I need to thank him personally and say, I really appreciate it. You know, we were looking for what to do next and he gave it to us and <laughs> right. then Dunn and purse gave it to us. And we we're like, Jesus, thank you so much. And I, I do hope that's not a one-off. I know those matches against Colombia were a different category of match their exhibitions. Colombia is a different kind of squad, you know, all due respect to them. But as we mentioned earlier, they hadn't played since 2019. And, you know, there are some issues getting them f- properly funded and everything else. So you do kind of feel bad for them. But I do hope that for Dunn and for Mitch Purse, that's not the first time and the last time that we see them in those positions for the U.S. Women's National Team. And also shout out to Crystal Dunn for sending that smiley face emoji to Black Co. <laughs> and she saw the forwards. 
that, like that's the crystal dud we need to know right there. She that was hilarious. the best story. <laughs> that was the best story of Vako just being like, yeah, I got a little smile. <laughs> <laughs> And Crystal Dunn being like, oh, your for- forward pool looks pretty thin there, Waco. Wouldn't it be a shame if... <laughs> I, I might know somebody. <laughs> All right, I think this is a good spot for us to talk about She Believes Cup since we are kicking off She Believes Cup. Canada, Brazil, Argentina, we are spoiled here in the U.S. with She Believes Cup, and I think we're a little used to the, the competition being that kind of Germany, France, England, Spain... Japan level, right? So this is yeah. going to be a very different tournament. Also, Canada is basically either injured or in France at this point. So we're not going to see kind of a traditional U.S.-Canada match, I would bet. Um, Brazil does, I think, pose the most interesting challenge and is also going to be... I mean, I personally am just waiting for the Pia Suntaga versus Waco Endonovsky <laughs> coach off just I think that's going to be extremely interesting um and then Argentina which I think is kind of in a similar spot of the Colombia right yeah. where not a huge amount of matches resource challenges right kind of across the board um what are the two of you watching for from she believes cup what are you most looking forward to what are you maybe hoping to avoid <laughs> from the tournament uh Andre we can start with you Ooh. Those are a lot of good good questions. Hoping to avoid injuries. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing. For for me, it's always, you know, and I know we got really comfortable doing all these tournaments down in Florida, uh, in Orlando. And, you know, I'm not, I think there's a safe way to do things. And I hope that, that that's being maximized because I really, you know, the She Believes Cup is not necessarily important um, in, the, in the grand scheme of things and how, you know, the international windows and all the games go. So I don't, I want to keep that kind of in the background and make sure that we understand, you know, everybody understands that kind of we're getting these matches as bonuses, but also hoping that all the players stay safe and I don't want any injuries or anything. So that's probably like my biggest thing. But apart from that, it's really obviously going to center around where do we see Crystal Dunn and Mitch Purse? Like I mentioned, I, I think, you know, like you mentioned, there are some similarities to, you know, Colombia to Argentina and some others. Um, and, you know, with the way that they are set up. And I think there should be some opportunities to rotate quite a bit. Um, The forward pool is a little deeper than it was for those matches against Columbia, but there are, there should still be some opportunities, I think. Uh, So I am looking for that. And my biggest thing is Katarina Macario. I mean, just watching her play soccer and staring at the TV with like a hard eye emoji face is kind of like what I do because just the, the she just is so comfortable with the best team in the world that it's scary. Like yeah. you shouldn't be able to just be in that 11 and be calm and comfortable. And she is. And so what she's going to do with that, how she's going to influence matches, she already scored her debut goal, which was amazing, but she, she there almost is, it's almost like, I have this sense of like, what is she going to do next every single time I watch her and she doesn't disappoint. And so I'm looking forward to that continuing because I think we're going to get some really ridiculous highlights and I will probably have another meltdown on Twitter about them. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Courtney, how about, how about same, same questions? Yeah, I think a lot of the same, you know, hoping for no injuries and that all of this is safe. I mean, I know that there was like a shakeup with the original She Believes and the teams coming in and then being like, United States, you're not doing things safely. No. And I was like, 
smart um so yeah hopefully for no injuries and also that all the players you know are safe and are doing well um I think I'm really excited to see what I just like want to I'm very curious about like the inner workings of Laco's mind I'm like what is he thinking about you know um so I'm curious to see like what he's going to do for example if we're like faced with a low block or something that kind of goes that it like counter um counter interacts like what he's thinking about tactics wise and then also thinking about that um the rotation because i do think there's going to be a lot of it and also now with sam Hughes not in the mix like will he just maybe be like hey crystal we're just gonna like slot you here see what happens <laughs> like uh so i am curious about those other lineups and also just how um we're gonna face with canada because even though i know it's Probably not the full strength squad. There is a little rough and tough in there, just you know, mm-hmm. naturally. So seeing how um, the team comes up against that, right, right, yeah. I mean, there is there is always a very. I mean, I was kind of joking with someone. It was probably Steph Young about how well Melissa Tancredi isn't on this team anymore. So <laughs> I don't think we have to worry too too much about the physicality. But it's also, I think, it is a good test for players who might not necessarily have were in the mix for like Concacaf qualifiers right where you do see Canada or or other friendlies I mean Canada is this team's kind of most popular opponent or at least one of them so I think it is kind of a familiar thing but also just you know with no Sinclair no Kadisha Buchanan Ashley Lawrence right like it is going to be a very interesting thing and I think generally I do think that we all have kind of a very good sense of where the U.S. Women's National Team is at even as we still do have questions about where Vlaco is but this tournament to me is really a good chance for us to see, okay, what, what is the deal with Canada right now? New head coach, right? A lot of injuries. What does their depth look like? <laughs> I mean, kind of some of the stories from training camp were like, we look a little shaky because we haven't played, right? Yeah. Um, Brazil is going to be really interesting because I think this is going to be one of our better looks at them since Pia Zuntaga took over. I also, of course, am always ready to watch Marta and Dabinia play soccer, right? Like, that's always Always. delightful. Um, And then I think with Argentina, it's just really to get a look at them. I mean, they have not, the U.S. has not played Argentina since 2014, and they've only played them three times through their entire history as a team. So it's just honestly a a South American team that we don't see a huge amount of, Um, which I think is also why when we've been on media (laughs) with some of the players being like, what do you expect from Argentina? They're like, question mark i don't really know <laughs> they're gonna show up with 11 players and, and that's what i got <laughs> yeah so i i am you know as much as i don't think we can put a lot of weight on she please cup the way that we might have previous tournaments where it's like oh this is gonna settle once and for all who's making a roster or not or give us a glimpse into the starting 11 to me it's still just kind of more data into as you're saying like Vlaco is i think the hardest coach to get a sense of where his brain is at at any yes. given time, because he's also, he's playing 3d chess <laughs> and I am not. <laughs> so He's like the girl from the chess game on Netflix where he just like looks up at night and it's just doing the pieces on top. And it's like, we are on different playing fields. my friend. Yeah. 
Yeah, it really is weird to figure out what he is thinking. It is very interesting, especially even in press conferences, he'll give some answers. And then a couple of days later, some news will drop. And we're like, is that what he meant? Like, I mean, let's talk about Allie mind. Krieger and Ashlyn Harris, where he's like, they're known yeah. entities. And then this week, it's like, oh, they adopted a baby. Right. <laughs> and I mean, shout out to him for not spoiling the news. But it's also sometimes like he knows so much more than we know, just like in that sense. But then also in like the tactical, what do we want to do on the pitch sense? Where it's just like, you watch the match to enjoy the match and then you rewatch the match to kind of like work it out to like figure out what is he doing? Where's his mind at? What is he trying to do with certain players? It's been really fun. I mean, I I appreciate it. You know, it's a bit of a, uh, not to get into this discussion, it's a little (laughs) different than what we have with Jill Ellis. So uh, yeah, I'm enjoying it a lot. And the players that are starring for it, for the team, uh, I'm enjoying watching them uh, excel as well in the system. So Yeah, I mean, it is really, he has said to me multiple times, like, I want to be inventing tactical things that no one else has done yet. So it's really hard to anticipate that because I don't know (laughs) what he's trying to go for. So I'm just like, good for you, Flacco. I I will just wait for you to tell me when you've invented something. I... The thing in the back of my mind that I'm always like, what if we, you know, like get to the Olympics and like some I don't know I just think of him being like all right Crystal's like we're just gonna switch up tactics for the second half he's like same players we're just gonna do different things <laughs> like and I'm just really excited for him to be like all right here's our cheat code and we're just gonna sh- like switch tactics and some up put like Chris is on right next to Katarina Vicario and like just have something <laughs> like insane happen Imagine that. <laughs> like that's like what I was thinking about when he put them up there the last game I was like so he does want to see what's going on but also it's like is this just our secret cheat code or it's like if we're just, you know, for some reason not firing all on c- cylinders or something like that. And it's like 70th minute, we need a winner. <laughs> Put Crystal Dunn up top. Let's just, just like Crystal go. Yep. Just to do Crystal like, Dunn change. next to Macario and Mitch Purse out wide. Uh, nobody's handling that. <laughs> like let's just like put Lynn Williams, like sprinkle Lynn, Will- Lynn Williams in the yep. mix, like some just right. bonkers. Yep. But it's like, would that surprise me if he actually did that and he had like a good tactical reasoning for it? No, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, just this team is kind of an absurd thing at any given point. And then to think about the combinations that we still haven't really even seen yet, right? It's yeah. just kind of like, oh, that's still theoretically on the table at some point. Yeah, like Kristen Press is going to come in and we yeah. haven't seen her with the with this team and it's going to be wild to be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> seeing what Black Oak can do with her. And it's just going to, yeah, I'm also, you know, I also hoping that Casey Stoney maybe takes a peek and sees what to do with her a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's going to be pretty amazing to see Kristen Press in this system with all the players around too. So it, it is, it does feel like a little bit, you know, when you talk about this, this She Believes Cup, because you do have the U.S., which is apart from injuries, going to be basically at full strength. And you got a lot of other teams that aren't, you know, like you mentioned, Canada's not going to be Argentina might, but Argentina has, you know, other issues. Brazil is going to be the intriguing one, even though they're going to be missing, I believe Formig is not going yeah. as well. Yeah. So they are going to be missing a, a player or two, but, you know, looking at the, the, the U.S. Women's national team, there's just so much talent. And like, I, like Courtney said, I do expect a lot of rotation and trying to figure out what all that means, you know, playing the, said just playing the mind game with black co mind games with black co (laughs) is basically what we're gonna do yeah yeah all right one one final big topic for the two of you i wanted to talk about some of 
the culture stuff that I feel like we are kind of constantly chatting about on Twitter. Uh, first, I wanted to talk though about, we've talked a lot about Katarina Macario. And I, I think it's been really interesting to see a lot of American fans kind of shift their attention, right, to WSL, Lyon, right? We might potentially be able to watch Champions League again this year. I guess we'll find out <laughs> once that gets closer. But, um, you know, we've got players who are kind of going to be the future face of this program, probably heading abroad. And Lyon has its own kind of interesting culture in and of itself. But also at the same time, like, I think it's really good. We're actually able to watch Lyon games now, right? Like we could watch Macario's debut for Lyon. And I'm just wondering, am, am I the only one thinking about the influence this is, is going to have on how we talk about American women's soccer as a culture in a way that maybe none of us had really anticipated before to have kind of the next big American star on Lyon, arguably the best team, club team in the world. Andre? Oh, that was to me. I was, I was staring at Courtney <laughs> like, go. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm really excited about it. I think, I think the biggest thing there, and shout out to atthefootball.com, um, it's just the accessibility. Being able to watch it, being able to watch these players star for these teams makes such a big difference. You know, you can have that American connection because we can all watch the matches. Um, we can all follow the, her career. And so that is in and of itself is huge and it helps influence the culture here. You know, obviously when she signed for Leon, there are a lot of conversations about what it meant, but really what it meant was Leon, the best club team in the world, wanted to give her a lot of money and give her a, a role in the team. And you don't necessarily say no to those kind of, kind of things, um, especially if you're her and good enough to do that. So that's an exciting thing. And I think that all that stuff really helps build the culture here of women's soccer and make sure that like we can all kind of stay connected. I think, in, and I do think in the past, you know, USSF hasn't always been so open to that, but I think with the ability to watch so many games and stay connected and, you know, Macario went, she got her debut with Leon and now she's back with the women's national team. So it's like that you can do that is important and, it all helps kind of bring it all together. And I am really excited to see what it means for the future. You know, I still think that the NWSL is obviously a huge destination. We saw the NWSL draft, which was, I mean, the diversity in that draft was amazing. What was it? Six or seven black women in the first yeah, seven, round? I think. Seven yeah. black women in the first round. It was amazing. So you're still going to get a lot of that. You're still going to have a lot of players in the league that are exciting to watch domestically. But I mean, being able to spread out to other leagues is also incredible. Like, you know, I, I, everybody knows I'm a Chelsea supporter uh, and I love their women's what? team. Yeah, exactly. What? <laughs> but you're a Fran Kirby fan? <laughs> I do love, I do love me some Fran Kirby. But, uh, <laughs> but being able to see, you know, Kristen Press and Sylvan Heath with Manchester United is awesome. Like, it's really cool to see that. And so I just think the more that that kind of stuff continues to happen, it's just, it makes, the domestic culture and the domestic and elevates the domestic game so much. And I, I still want my Macario Jersey. Yeah, soon. I definitely, <laughs> I definitely was looking at the Leon online store yeah. and going, Oh, they do ship here. Yes. Yes, they do. I, I, and I'm stuck. I don't know whether I wait for next year's designs or if I do this year, I don't know what to do. I thought do. the away was okay. Yeah. It's, it's all right. But you know, I think they can do better. 
Courtney, for, what, for what the, are your I'll thoughts on the, on the culture we've got going? Um, I Honestly, I'm excited about it. I mean, I, like, I think players going overseas, even though everyone will want to shout that the uh, NWSL is dead, and it's like, no. Um, <laughs> That's the shortest, I, most succinct <laughs> version of that argument that you could give, and I loved it. Yeah, thank you for that. Just no. <laughs> Um, but I do think, you know, players going overseas is going to in turn not only make the NWSL better, but it's also going to like play like leagues getting stronger around the world is better for women's soccer in general. And so I'm excited not only for the accessibility. I mean, I am also a Chelsea fan and have been a Chelsea fan since I was real like pretty young and I had for a long time didn't even know they had a women's team. And then once I figured that out, it was like, how do I watch them? oh, you want me to jump through seven hoops and somehow spin like a plate on my nose? Like, sure. <laughs> so I think the accessibility is going to be good. Also seeing a player like Katarina Macario go over to Lyon and being and like playing in the Champions League, which for like for on the men's side is an absolutely huge competition that they like also want to make a regular thing, but no. Um, and so I think it's going to be good for both leagues in general and then also being able to see a lot more like I'm excited not only to have players go over there, but then ha- in turn have European players come over to play in the NWSL and see how that changes like the culture of the NWSL, but also just making sure that, you know, instead of just following maybe your hometown team, maybe your favorite player goes over to play for a Chelsea or an Arsenal or for um, Bayern Munich and like following it there and just having this growth in women's soccer in general. All right. So speaking of culture, I know Andre's shopping habits just because we talk about them a lot. I don't know who spends more money on on merch between me and Andre. It might be me, unfortunately. Um, but I, Courtney, what what is your general? Are you a jersey person, a scarf person? Do you have a lot of random things that you have purchased throughout the year? Do you have like? Uh, a whole thing of Chelsea jerseys that are just like off screen that we can't see. Um, so I only have a few jerseys. I like, I have been looking a lot more at like merch online. And I'm also, I'm always like, Courtney, you don't need it. You're literally going to wear it once. And then it's not going to do anything. But also at the same time, I'm like, but for the vibes, like, <laughs> like let me take like a nice Instagram photo. <laughs> and then go somewhere else. I only have, um, I only have one or two Chelsea jerseys. I've been really, really wanting to buy a new one. Um, but then when we came up with like the three logo, I'm like, but I'm also like, I need a Fran Kirby jersey, but I also want like OG jerseys too. Um, but I probably will be more of a jersey person, even though I do want some scarves. Like I have no scarves. So if mm. anyone wants to send me a scarf, I will probably okay. put a scarf somewhere. <laughs> um, but I do have, I have like a few, um, national team jerseys like I have I think one from maybe 2015 um where it was like that kind of that blue on top and didn't have like I've had that for a few years and then I bought a crystal done one because I was like she needs to be front and center so if she becomes best-selling jersey they can't deny it (laughs) Um, but yeah I definitely need more merch even though like I know PSG just dropped that fourth jersey with the pink and the purple and I'm like, look, that speaks to my soul. Like, I need something <laughs> like that. And even, um, I know they, I like for the Miami Heat on the other side, they have a really cool, like a very cool jersey. And I was like, Can someone make this a sweatsuit. And then I found PSG's has a sweatsuit. Yes. I'm like, this is money I don't need to spend. But also, <laughs> the fit, 
the yeah. fit. Right? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I need. Andre and I will soon be sporting matching Roma sweatshirts. Yes. So Did you buy them? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Had to. Had to. Yeah. Roma honestly i i mean i'm a really big fan of roma not only their like social media stuff which they're very good at but also they always have like the coolest kits and like the um like loungewear and stuff Mm -hmm. but also i really need a venezia jersey oh yeah like it's like the orange green (laughs) white yeah that was nice when i saw that it I'm not joking. It spoke to me. I was like, <laughs> I need this right now, but I don't know how to buy it. Yeah, I looked at it. And I was just like, oh, I want it, but also I don't want to go through the effort of acquiring it. Ugh. So it's so hard. Yeah, with thank God I looked at Andre's like the full Twitter thread because someone had like fortunately been like, it's on Amazon right now, and I was like, I will be buying it. Thank yes. you. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Andre, have you bought a Naomi Osaka North Carolina Courage jersey? I haven't yet because I'm I want to see what the what the white one looks like on the like on the back as well like I want to see mm. what with name and number and everything I'm I'm really excited because at first I was like I think I want the one that she wore mm-hmm. but then I saw that one and I got really excited about the away one with the with the mountains that they just stole from Utah but that's right um, yeah. <laughs> a little bit yeah so uh but but it's it's and I love I absolutely love and shout out to them for one of the customization options is actually Osaka 97. Like you don't have to do it yourself. It's right there. (laughs) It's incredible. (laughs) So yeah, that will absolutely be coming. Uh, I got a Crystal Dunn Dunn Thorn shirt, of course, Mm. the black one coming. Uh, It's just like Courtney said, basically you see them and you're like, it it speaks to me. I have to have it. And that's not great for my wallet or any kind of like (laughs) savings plans that I think I have, but I have to... Like, yeah. I don't know what it is. It's just like, I need this. And and I think that's part of like who you're talking about culture before. That's part of it. Like on the list as well as the Macario shirt. Like there are so many things on the list where like the money is spent. I just need mm-hmm. to get to a point where I'm like, I'm okay losing this much money. <laughs> and I'm getting there. The Roma thing set me back because <laughs> it was unexpected, <laughs> but I needed it. Uh, right. But yeah, it's it's coming. And, and I'm just... I'm just like, I, I gotta, I don't know what I need to do. I need like a work bonus or something like somebody <laughs> like I need, I need some, I need something to help me uh, get all these purchases through the door because I just, there's so many. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's really one of the exciting things, especially in the end of though, is that we are starting to see better jerseys that make people want to spend money. Right. Yes. That, I mean, Chicago, Portland, North Carolina, improving. I thought mm-hmm. sky blue, really. Yeah. I had one coming in the mail. There we go. On the back. <laughs> that black one with the little thing. Uh, yeah, I'm so little... excited about that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. But like, that's, that's such a part of the culture. Right. And the fact that NWSL has figured out like, Oh, there's money to be made on this. Yeah. And that it is something that people will talk about and wear. Right. Like, I mean, I just remember talking to, the owner of the Chicago Red Stars, and he was just like, I don't even necessarily need people to know right off the bat that this is a Red Stars jersey. I want them to look at it and go, that is Chicago. Yeah. And that there is that huge kind of cultural element at play that women's soccer can force that conversation and can actually, like, again, have the vibes, right? Like, that's the fact that we're finally starting to see that compared to (laughs) some of the really questionable kit jerseys that were happening the first few years of the league. Like that's, that's the stuff that I think is really exciting to watch happen in real time as much as it also hurts our wallets. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I love every, every kit release. 
this extremely dope. I get really excited. And then I'm like, oh God, because I know I'm going to lose <laughs> what, a, a hundred, hundred plus sometimes on, on them. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just frustrating, but it's a good thing. Like you said, it's a great thing. I want to see teens be smarter. Shout out Washington Spirit, Cherry Blossom Kid, please help us. You know what? If <laughs> DC United is not going to do it, exactly. Take it. Please, just take they, they refuse. I think, uh, what was it? Pablo uh, from The Athletic wrote about that. And I think he has a quote in there from somebody who said something uh, who was related to, uh, I'm just butchering however this was, but basically <laughs> my reading of it was that they didn't know how the kit would go over in DC, you know, being pink or having pink on it. And I was like, listen, if that's your stance, spirit, just steal it. I yep. guarantee you it will be the best selling shirt out there. <laughs> We need it. So I would immediately buy. It would be, I mean, just right? as a former DC resident who is obsessed with the Cherry Blossom Festival, it is the right. easiest. It would be mo- like so best amazing. part of DC. Like it's just also it's perfect because it's spring, right? Yeah. Like start that, of the season. Yeah, there's Come just there's just company. no reason. To do- <laughs> I know, right? I have so many ideas, but yeah, I mean, it's just like, and and I I have been so happy to see the NWSL get, you know, upgrades in these, in these kits and, and, you know, in the, the shirts to make sure that, you know, there are making those local connections. Like right now I have on, unfortunately, Utah may exist again soon. Hopefully we're going to put good vibes out in the air for that. Cause we need them back, but their mountain, the mountain kit is so awesome. Like I got that immediately. I was like, that's a much better kit than they've had in the past. And so I think that that is a big part of it. And I think that, You know, people kind of look to, I think, England and some of the soccer leagues that have these long histories and teams that like date back to like the early 1900s and things. And their kits, their shirts, you know, their look and design and feel becomes like iconic. But we can grow that in the present now. You may not have, you don't need a team to have existed since 1920. You just need to know who you are, represent where you're from and make a connection with people and that it's gonna it's not just gonna blow up locally like I don't have any I've never been to Utah but I needed this shirt <laughs> I've been to Chicago once I need every shirt that they have they're amazing yeah. I love all of their designs and so like to me that is such a huge part of it and the NWSL is getting it so much more right than any other league in in North America shout out MLS what are you doing <laughs> oh yeah that's what I was thinking about too of like really cool kits and it's like and I often like I, so one of my friends from college plays for Oakland Roots and it's like mm. their stuff is like it, yeah. not only it looks so good but it's also like so uniquely Oakland and yeah. it's like if you're talking about growing these teams in these local markets it's like why don't you go get some like either find like a really cool local artist or maybe someone who's famous who's like maybe interested in women's sports to do like a super cool collaboration with someone out there um, I mean, for some reason, isn't like the baby from North Carolina? Maybe it's like go have the baby. I would one thousand percent buy that if you want to like make inroads with like black people in North Carolina. And like, WSL would, baby would collab. Okay, go buy that. Like, but it's like making like go find some really cool local artists who are doing cool things. Like to go and design. I don't know, maybe like a special kit or like a drop kit if you don't want to make it your full one. That not only like brings it up in the local community but also having cool merch like i mean none of i personally have never been to rome but it's like none of us are probably quote-unquote roma fans but it's like we know they do cool stuff and so it's like we're gonna go and spend money on it right i mean i personally have and and this might not be extremely fair of me but like i'm ready to see what angel city is gonna have 
on this front because I mean they've also already like they haven't shied away from already having merch right yep. and like yes it is very simple but I think the expectations for that crest are going to be extremely high and I think the expectations for the jersey are going to be even higher yeah. which is I, it's not a necessarily a fair position to put them in but also I mean with that ownership like you're just expecting yeah <laughs> and also to be fair I mean Rebellion 99 their scarf Oh, it's is awesome. like immediately this beautiful yeah. grayscale art deco thing. Like LA is going to have the ability to set the standard for this league for a really long time. And so I, I'm just kind of like sitting <laughs> waiting for this to happen because I'm just like, if they push the the mold a little bit, right? Like, and I think they're also going to be able to push Nike into an even further obviously portland kind of has had that advantage as being in market but also yep. you know chicago has done really well at being like no we ha we know what we want right but angel city is gonna i think have probably the highest expectations for any kit that's true yeah. and also the bar is the bar is quite high like i have other thoughts on ross and louisville <laughs> but i do appreciate the fact that they changed their design because it wasn't working they went to another designer. They redid it like that. And because this is important, it's important to have that stuff. And now I really am excited to see what their inaugural kit is going to look like. They have some amazing colors. And I think if they work mm -hmm. with them right, like I'm a mint green uh, Nagasato shirt is basically like, I've, that's another one I got earmarked. Like if that <laughs> oh happens, take my money right I'm buying now. that, like, right? Well, you have a hunt, you have $300 in the chat already. <laughs> <Right>? Just <laughs> like, just let me, let me give you that money for that shirt. I would appreciate it. But then you also have Naomi Osaka, who's working with the Courage now, you know, in, in an ownership capacity. And their kit was built by her wearing it at the Australian Open. As, as much as we look at like Angel City and say, hey, the pressure's on, the pressure's on even more now. Because we got North Carolina Courage over here dropping a kit with Naomi Osaka rocking it at the Australian Open. Like, how ridiculous was that? Yeah. Like, yeah. that just, like, this, all of this stuff just makes me so excited and like ready to just like, throw my money at the screen and every time yeah. i see something you know drop the tweet and say here's a shirt i'm just like take the money right now i yeah. need this yeah. don't even play just give me the tracking number <laughs> i'm gonna stare at it <laughs> until it arrives natalie portman is gonna have to debut the angel city kit like in the thor right? movie in order to <laughs> yeah i just hope that like um angel city goes on like the instead of like the inner miami side where they came up and it was like pink and i was like give me a pink kit like oh. lean into the pink oh, flamingos so whatever and then they didn't but like lean onto like the miami heat side of they're like we kind of understand Miami. we're gonna give it bright colors yeah. a little flavor a little like spice so i'm uh hopefully that happens for them because also i mean i'm not even a huge basketball fan because they moved the nets from new jersey to oh, brooklyn yeah. <laughs> i was like how dare you um <laughs> and i mean even now with the retro kits it's, it's like newark on it and it's like girl you play it in brooklyn um but yeah they like i mean i i literally want that because it looks nice and it's like make yeah. something that looks really cool that's all we ask for yeah. and then i'll you can have all my money <laughs> we're very simple people we just yeah. want to spend our own money on your products and then also act as walking billboards yeah for your team that's how that works just make isn't that isn't that wild how that yeah. works make so national team kits no Yo, that post. needs to happen for real, for real. Like, uh, no. I, I'm sorry. I, I, I don't, I'm not, <laughs> if, if people follow me, they'll know I'm not the most patriotic person in the world, but I would absolutely 
rock a crystal dunn you know national team kit mitch purse national macario national team kit like i got so many that i would love to get but make me want to buy that yeah right now i don't yeah i i miss the waldos a little bit like (laughs) we gotta you know like lean even the centennial kit right like Mm -hmm. i just feel like we've kind of hit the peak of national team kits and we're kind of on the downswing again and then hopefully like we get a nice little upswing but the yeah, team deserves it. And the vibe I on mean, the team deserves it. Like yeah, they, they the gotta vibes. be running around out there like like destroying people in like awesome awesome shirts. Like we need I will we need say that. the the warm-ups, which I don't necessarily enjoy the the I like the kits because they're blue mm-hmm. and that is generally enough for me, but that pattern, I mean, my wife makes fun of me sometimes if I am in the full getup because she's like, are you trying to camouflage yourself from the ocean? Like, what are you doing? <laughs> but they're very comfortable. And like that also has a vibe, like, especially when they're all rolling in in that warm up yeah. getup. I'm just like, oh, that looks cool. Okay. But yeah, I'm I'm ready for, I haven't bought a national team kit in a really long time. So I'm ready for, again, like a Crystal Dunn Mitch purse. Like those would be my top three right now. And I'm just like, Please give me something slightly better. <laughs> but I've been wanting the France, you know, I think it's their away kit, the Ooh, white with yeah. the blue polka dots. Oh, yes. yep. yeah. I've been that wanting that. I text my older brother all the time. And I'm like, hey, if you uh, need to get me something for my birthday, Christmas, or you just like, want to get me something nice, like, right. please buy me this right now. Like, They have socks also- too. I don't know if they still sell them, but they made Ooh. matching socks. I honestly well. would immediately walked down the street and that just (laughs) I honestly don't care but yeah I've been wanting that for such a long time and I think I think when I was looking at them they didn't have personalization on it and I was like yeah it's it's really tough for our other national teams give me a Diani kit yeah I mean I've been trying to get a personalized Marta kit for five years now and like even in France like in Paris during the World Cup I went to that Nike store because they basically the entire bottom level was just World Cup kits, which was amazing. Like and they had this huge like because obviously we're in France. Every single France national player <laughs> is on these giant displays. Right. And then I walk in and I'm like, OK, so what are the customization op- options? Like you have Brazil kits. Do you have name sets for any of these teams, really? And they were like, no. And I was like, oh, Awesome. <laughs> And just throw it away, right? Just, just I don't understand that. I don't. Basically, that translates to I don't like money. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, Nike's like, yeah, we have enough of it, but still, I'm just like, they do, but also like, help, like that's your job. (laughs) That's literally part of the job. Like, this is what we want to do. (laughs) Like, your job is to make these things and make people want to buy them and to celebrate the players. I mean, they, I don't know. I have a lot of beef with Nike, especially as as a Chelsea supporter. And that three nonsense that you brought up before, like, honestly, I'm so mad. Like, I I try to buy uh, to get a Chelsea shirt almost every year because normally they don't miss with with all of their kits. But all of them are so bad. Yeah. What do you think about uh, what I call the blueberry glazed donut with sprinkles kit? <laughs> oh, I call that the yeah, pajama mentally kit. Sprinkles. It's cute. Yeah. It's, it's, pajama, I, it's like a pajama set. <laughs> the first time I saw it, I said, huh? And now I'm like, it honestly grows on me. That third kit is cursed. Yeah, it's fine. Like, it it's awful. cursed. Yeah. They have the women's uh, team playing that kit all the time, and I get so upset because I'm like, they don't deserve so that. <laughs> that kit is so cursed. Honestly, I feel like for third kits on teams, they either I feel like third kits they either knock it out of the park and it's like the yeah. one you want to get instead of the regular kit, yeah. or it's cursed. Yeah, yeah. Those there's are no options. in between. Ever. Yeah, no, there's never a third kit. Just like yeah, it's all right. It's either yeah. God, I hate it, or please wear these all the time. 
<laughs> like there are other teams in the prem that I like want to buy. But I obviously never would that have like really cool third kits. And I'm like, oh, this looks so cool. Like I remember, I don't remember who it was, but they had made their logo kind of look like, um, like, you know, super expensive, like designer bags, uh, mm-hmm. not Gucci, but like Louis Vuitton and how they have their little thing, like, like the over, over and over again. Yeah. 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 And I'm like that is one of the coolest things I've seen in my whole life. I need it. I'm not going to buy it because I will never support another club. However, I need it. <laughs> I need Chelsea to step up, man. It's awful. Yeah. Yeah, I might right. go buy me a blueberry sprinkle kit. <laughs> On that note, can you can can one of you please inform people how to listen to your podcast and then we will also tell people how they can find you online. But first, let's do the full podcast spiel, please. Yeah, so you can find us at Diaspora United Pod on Twitter. That's Diaspora UTD Pod POD on Twitter. And we're also about to launch an Instagram. So if you want to go, you know, give us a little follow there. Um, and then we're on basically any podcast hosting site. So Apple, Spotify, Stitcher. Are we on SoundCloud? Uh, no, we're not on SoundCloud. <laughs> <But basically laughs> Thanks for bringing up the one get. we're not on. Uh- <laughs> Please check out our SoundCloud that yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah, but we're, on, we're on Google and all the other. There's a there's a link in our Twitter bio that basically will take you to our Anchor page, which okay. has the link to all the platforms that we're on. I'm sure we're on one that you like, unless you're strictly SoundCloud. Yeah. <laughs> but also that link will be in the description for this podcast. There we go. So we will make it very, very easy for people. All right, Andre. Please tell people how they can find you and um, pay you so much attention that you want to fall into a hole forever. Yeah, um, ignore that last part from Meg. Don't don't <laughs> don't pay me a bunch of attention. It makes me uncomfortable. Um, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at not underscore Carlisle. All right, Courtney, and I'm at at Courtney Stiff on basically everything. I just took my name, grabbed it up. No one else can impersonate me on the internet. I'm at Courtney Stith. You got there first. She is the Courtney Stith. If you ever meet another Courtney Stith in real life, it's an imposter. Okay. Good to know. know. All right. Well, thank you both for this. It was an extremely fun conversation and I'm glad, Courtney, that we're just going to like turn you into a, a jersey and scarf person and then slowly you will just need tubs as I have to contain all of your merchandise. Once you start, it's really, it's like tattoos, right? Like once you start, you're done for. So I believe it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you again. And uh, hopefully we will have a new podcast episode to listen to you soon. Yes, absolutely. And thank you for having us. Thank you. Thank you to Andre and Courtney for their fantastic conversation and make sure that you check out their podcast, Diaspora United. I've got all the links on how to follow the two of them, plus how to follow the podcast in the show notes for you. And I'll just say the podcast account is very close to 1,000 followers. I do feel very confident that we can get them there as soon as possible. All right. Uh, one programming note for next week with She Blues Cup wrapping up on Wednesday night and all of the other reporting and work that needs to happen around the tournament. Uh, I'm planning on dropping the next regular episode of the show next Friday, which will actually give me a chance to be able to discuss those games on Wednesday night with my guests rather than trying to talk around the final game day and, you know, eventually our tournament winner as well. So just one day late next week. All right, one more thing. I do want to shout out Katie Strang here. She is once again showing the heights that reporters can hit in terms of ensuring that big, important stories get told, her integrity. I mean, 
I very frequently, I will admit this, never necessarily know like with any real insight the the sport or the team, right? I'm not, I follow one team in the NHL. I'm not super well-versed in the league or its politics. Um, I'm a Red Sox fan. I don't necessarily follow like MLB news. So I don't always really know the sport or the team that I'm reading about when I start a Katie article, but I think it is a testament to how well she reports and explains that reporting that I then fully understand the story that she is telling. So whether it's the Arizona Coyotes or the Mets, which is unfortunately my adopted Major League Baseball team here in New York City, so I don't really root against the Red Sox, she's just been in incredible form lately, and I highly encourage you to read some of her stories, and you can see the work that I think we can really be proud of here at The Athletic. All right. So as always, the home for the show is fulltimepod.com. Again, that trailer for 2020 is up and ready for you to share it. We've got links to Apple, Spotify, Google, The Athletic, pretty much anywhere that you could get your podcast. So as always, if you don't subscribe, I highly recommend you do that in case we do drop a bonus episode or anything like that. Um, You don't have to wait for me to post it on Twitter. Um, if you feel like sharing the show with a friend or two, I mean, again, you always know this show, your subscriptions, your ratings, your reviews all help grow this show. Thank you. So many of you who have put in a review or a rating over the past couple of weeks, your engagement, your retweets, your Instagram stories, you making sure that I actually post those Instagram posts, but everything that you do to support this podcast and the work for women's soccer, I appreciate all of your extra effort. If you do want more women's soccer content, plus everything else The Athletic has to offer, aka Katie Strang, for just $3.99 a month, you can start your new subscription at theathletic.com slash full-time. As always, you can find me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman. From The Athletic, I'm Meg Linehan. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.